Locked On Podcast Network and Odyssey present Locked On Sports Today. How the Celtics found the missing link in the championship chain. Are the Pelicans ready to contend now that Zion is back? And Rudy Gobert will fit in with the T-Wolves defense better than he ever did in Utah. I'm Peter Bukowski, starting your day with the can't-miss stories and biggest debates in sports. You're locked on sports today. Searching all major sports. Found. Let's start with the biggest story. Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. The Boston Celtics, just days seemingly removed from an NBA Finals defeat at the hands of the champion Warriors, were off and running in the free agency period, getting Malcolm Brogdon in a trade for Aaron Neesmith, Daniel Tice, a 2023 first round pick, and other pieces. And then Coming in and grabbing big man Danilo Gallinari. Joining me now from Locked On Celtics, John Corrales. And, and John, unfortunately, we don't get to talk basketball on the court, but we do get to talk about some fun stuff happening off the court, which will soon be on the court. What did you make of what the Celtics did here early in the first couple of days on the open market? I like what they did. I think they, had, they addressed uh, a couple of really important needs for the team. I thought that they, you know, they they came out and they said, we want some bench scoring, we want some playmaking off the bench, and that's what they got from Malcolm Brogdon. I think if he stays healthy, which is always the question with Malcolm Brogdon, is a potentially great addition. Uh, but even if he's not always healthy, I think he can still be a good addition as long as they can keep him healthy through the playoffs. And he hasn't had to make a lot of playoff runs. So I, I think it's, it's going to be a, an interesting time for him. I think he's willing to take a bench role, which is important. It keeps that starting lineup intact. And getting Gallinari is a guy that, look, I think you have the potential to add potentially 30 points a game off the bench between those two guys. The Celtics, if they had 30 extra points per game off the bench, we'd be talking about them repeating as champions and not trying to win a championship. And that is where I wanted to go with this. As you look at this team, what they lacked last season, how do you think they changed their uh, title odds can be a fickle thing at this time of year, but in terms of their standing in the East, did what they did change at all about how you view Boston in the Eastern Conference hierarchy? Yeah, I mean, I think it solidifies them in that spot. Uh, again, the, they addressed the most glaring need, which is quality players off the bench, dependable players off the bench. And one of the things that they really lacked, you look at, why they ran out of gas in, in the finals, why when Golden State was able to take their game to the next level, why Boston couldn't. They, just, they relied too much on Tatum and Brown and Smart. You know, they, they had leads. They came out strong in, in all of these games in the finals. And really things turned when Golden State's bench came in and Boston's bench couldn't produce. So what, when you look at a contender, a team that just lost in the finals, because of a thing, and then they go fix that thing, you say, oh, well, they're serious about this, so they're going to stay in that top of the East kind of mix. It's going to be a tough top of the East for sure. We don't know what Miami's going to do. Milwaukee's still Milwaukee. There are still the typical obstacles. Philly got better, so it's still going to be tough, but they have solidified themselves and I think removed some of the what-ifs for their future. Boston has been a somewhat popular name, in the Kevin Durant sweepstakes because of the young assets that the Celtics 
have if they want to get a little crazy. Mm-hmm. This is a third rail in Boston. I know that. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's put our hand right on that rail. John, what are the chances that that Boston decides to get a little crazy and say, hey, yeah, Jalen Brown? I don't know. Kevin Durant? Yeah. I don't. I don't think so. I just don't think it's going to happen. I think they see themselves as a team that's built something that's sustainable. And yeah, the Jalen Brown question is an interesting one because he's got a couple years left in his deal. And there's always a question when a player, especially a player who is seen as a number two, is, is that player always going to be happy? Does he feel appreciated? And some of this conversation around Jalen Brown, people start to say, well, if the fact that you're even having this conversation makes, probably makes him feel underappreciated. I think that if they just stick with Jalen and, and hang their hats on, look, they made this finals run and there's obviously no guarantee that you get back to the finals just because you made a run once doesn't mean you make it back again the next year. You can ask the Phoenix Suns about that. There's still, uh, uh, I think they're so young. Jalen's 25, Tatum's 24. They are young enough where you can feel good about that, that window staying open for multiple years. And I understand that Kevin Durant is who he is. Like, there's no doubt about that. But we also have to understand that that window is shorter. And it's maybe a little bit more open for a shorter amount of time. I'm of the opinion that you can still keep the window open big enough for a longer amount of time just by making sure Jalen Brown feels appreciated. They're going to pay him the max whenever he's up for the max. And you keep finding the right pieces around those guys to support those guys. And you give yourself a chance that way. John Corrales has you covered every day on how the Celtics will close the gap on a championship. You can find Locked On Celtics everywhere you get podcasts, including the Odyssey app. Thanks for making Locked On Sports today your first listen. Coming up, Zion is back for the Pelicans. Here's what to look for on Bet Online, your number one spot for all of your gambling needs. Tuesday's slate of Major League Baseball provides plenty of value. Max Scherzer returns tonight as the New York Mets are favored against the Cincinnati Reds. Bet Online likes the Mets at minus 187 on the road to win. The Baltimore Orioles are slight favorites over the Texas Rangers. Bet Online likes the O's minus 106 to win. And the Atlanta Braves have a slight edge. Over the St. Louis Cardinals, Bet Online likes the Braves minus 139 on the money line. Bet Online, where the game starts. Now, here's what you need to be locked on today. I'm terrified. I might be here forever. Those are Brittany Griner's words as she wrote to President Joe Biden. Griner made a specific appeal to the president, acknowledging that he's busy but pleading that he not forget about her and the other detainees. Griner's trial in Russia began on Friday on charges that she tried to smuggle vape cartridges with hashish oil into Russia. Legal experts and U.S. government officials believe that this has to be a show trial that will end in a conviction that carries a lengthy sentence for Griner. They see this as a Russian negotiation tactic in order to swap prisoners. Griner has been detained since mid-February in a jail outside Moscow. This is being arrested at the airport. Joey Chestnut won his 15th Nathan's Famous 4th of July hot dog eating competition. And while he did not set any new records, he did take down a protester in the middle of the competition. He still managed to eat 63 hot dogs and buns around that distraction. Oh, and Chestnut managed to do all of this 
while in a walking boot for a right leg injury. No word, officially anyway, on whether that right leg injury was hot dog eating related. The Oakland A's have dodged a scary injury to Frankie Montas, one of the most coveted players who could be available this deadline season. Montas left his start on Sunday after just one inning with diminished velocity. Reports suggest he had a sore right shoulder, but that he is only day-to-day and may not require a stint on the IL. Montas is one of the more talented pitchers presumed to be available for contending teams ahead of the August 2nd trade deadline and is seen as a player that could bring back important prospects to a rebuilding A's team. Speaking of the diamond, the Seattle Mariners throttled the San Diego Padres thanks to the help of a should-be all-star. Okay, stop the silliness. Julio Rodriguez is an all-star. Full stop. This is Tidey Gonzalez, host of the Locked On Mariners podcast. The Mariners trounced the Padres by a score of 8-2 in their series opener down in San Diego on Monday. Gold stars across the board for the Seattle Mariners. From the pitching to the defense to the offense, it was all working for them in this game. Chris Flexen goes six and two-thirds scoreless, and the lineup records 18 hard-hit balls off of Padres pitching and forces starter Sean Manaya to hit the showers after just three and a third innings of work. But the story for me in this one is once again Julio Rodriguez, who with his 15th home run of the season, which, by the way, went over the warehouse in left field at Petco Park, became the fastest player in Major League Baseball history to reach that mark with 20 or more stolen bases. He surpassed Ellis Burks and Barry Bonds for that record. Pretty nice company, if I do say so myself. Come gush with us about Julio Rodriguez on tomorrow's episode of Locked On Mariners. Find us on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. We'll see you is another story you need to know. If we're going to discuss the future of one of the NBA's biggest superstars, maybe it won't be Zion Williamson, who signs a five-year max deal in New Orleans worth up to $231 million. I always feel like I have to do the Dr. Evil for that one. Joining me now from Locked On Pelicans, Jake Madison. And Jake, um, this is a a great deal for uh, New Orleans, who, who locks up a guy who has shown in the the flashes when he's been healthy that he can be an elite NBA player. How much do you think this silences those questions about his future? It silences them for a little while, at the very least. You know, after signing this deal, he cannot be traded for six months. After that, it's a small market. It might pick up again, but this is still a huge win for New Orleans. You're locking in your superstar player, your franchise cornerstone, the former number one overall pick, whom, as you said, when he is healthy, has done things that we don't see anyone else in the NBA do whatsoever. So this was a no-brainer for New Orleans to do this, to give him the max deal, despite missing far more games than he's played in his career he's that special of an athlete it's like one of those things where new orleans if they're going to go down with the ship you may as well go down with zion on a max deal not looking to trade him or anything like that going forward so they're not looking to trade him let's say that but there are some other potential monster trade assets out there this is not going to quiet any of the conversations around kevin durant where do you stand on what you think makes sense for New Orleans when it comes to a potential Kevin Durant destination? Look, the fact that they're being mentioned 
in a Kevin Durant trade as a possible partner shows you how far this franchise has come because this was going to be unimaginable just two years ago, one year ago, to even have New Orleans kind of in that conversation. And they're in there because they have a ton of young assets, a ton of young players that they've brought along the past couple of years, and they have a lot of future draft picks from various trades of Drew Holiday and Anthony Davis, Lakers picks, picks from the Milwaukee Bucks as well. So they could make a very competitive offer for the to the Brooklyn Nets for Kevin Durant. You could potentially... Though I think New Orleans Pelicans fans might riot if this were the case, include a guy like Brandon Ingram in there. You know, a 24-year-old former all-star, maybe had his best season last year. A near fringe-ish all-NBA guy that you could build a package around. You know, that vaults New Orleans into title contention next year. Any team with Kevin Durant, Zion Williamson, and CJ McCollum is going to be one of those top four teams in the entirety of the NBA. But this is also a small market, and you need to kind of factor in, as David Griffin, uh, president of basketball operations for New Orleans, says, sustainable success. You know, look what happened to the Lakers once they went all in for Anthony Davis. You've got your title, but they've been really bad ever since then. And it still, despite that title, looks a little bit disappointing for the end results there. I don't think New Orleans necessarily wants to go down that path. Trading away Brandon Ingram, who's 10 years younger than Kevin Durant, a bunch of future draft picks, young good players in Herb Jones, who was a revelation last year. Trey Murphy III was a good player. That saps you of the ability to build sustainable success, and that's why that might hold New Orleans back from getting a deal done. But at the same point, don't overthink it. It's Kevin freaking Durant. You know, even at 34, he's a top five, a 15 guy of all time, maybe. So I think New Orleans is still going to be in the running, and the question will be, does he want to be a Pelican or not? I had to bring up the Kevin Durant of it all here, but I thought you had a great tweet reminding Pelicans fans that this Zion Williamson thing is a huge win for this franchise. Can, can you just say more about that? Because I, it's not just a Pelicans thing. I think when you look around the league, there are a lot of teams that have done nothing except extend their star players. And guess what? There are plenty of franchises around the league who would love to have a star to extend, and they don't. Yeah, the, you know, you, you need a guy to build around. Look at a team like the Oklahoma City Thunder who keeps tanking and keeps tanking and finally maybe going to stop this year because they just got the guy to build around in Chet Holmgren. And that's after two or three years of even having Shea Gilgis-Alexander there who's really good. New Orleans has the guy that you build around. You don't need to tank for a star. You move forward with this guy. And again, look up his numbers when he's been healthy in the 85 games that he's played. They're insane. And he's only going to be better and more motivated next year with those Rose Rule incentives to try and get 40 more million dollars on this deal. You're about to see Zion 2.0 in a sense. So you want to have this guy. And this is a big win, not just for New Orleans, the, the team, the franchise, but for their fans as well, right? This is a small market that's got a history of stars forcing their way out. And the second Zion was drafted, the question was, does he want to play there? Will they trade him? Will he force his way out? If it's we've wait we've yet to see some of the specifics on the on the contract. We don't know if there's a team or a player option at the very end or if it's a full five year max. But there's team control now for at least five years. They don't have to move him for five years. That gives you a long time to try and figure it out and try and make this work. And so this should be Pelicans fans taking a victory lap in a sense because now when the national media says Zion should want out, he can't. And frankly, the team has been good, taking the Phoenix Suns to six games in the first round after a 1-13 start last year. This is unequivocally a home run for New Orleans, to use that on, on July 4th when we're uh, recording this, a win for New Orleans here of, the, of an offseason. 
Jake is ready to talk about the Pelicans with Zion Williamson for a change. You can catch Locked on Pelicans everywhere you get podcasts, including on Odyssey. Coming up while the Minnesota Timberwolves will be a much better place for Rudy Gobert. There was some doubt that the Utah Jazz would decide to rebuild this offseason, but we got some hints about it at least when the team traded Rudy Gobert to the Minnesota Timberwolves over the weekend. This move not only benefits the Wolves, but as Ben Beacon of Locked on Wolves believes, it benefits Gobert. But you add Gobert to a team that was already in the top half of the league, at you know, top 12, 13 defense, plus Gobert, this should be a top five defense. And I want to get to next what I think the Wolves could do, a couple of different ways that they could choose to defend this year. Um, but I wanted to lay the groundwork here, or I guess lay the, the baseline for what Utah messed up, right? The hedge and recover didn't work um, for non-Gobert pick and rolls. In Gobert pick and rolls, when he was playing drop, he was a good defender. When opposing teams went five out, it generally wasn't Gobert's fault. Short of a few short contests in the corners, um, it was more because the point of attack defenders were broken down. The rotational defender did not X out to the corner fast enough, and, and that was that. And then Gobert's the one that looks like he's, you know, oh, I got to be here. No, I got to be there. And he's a step late on the contest because he's doing both things at once. Uh, without Gobert on the floor, the Jazz were a non-playoff defense. They were bottom five defense. In the regular season, with Gobert off the floor, the Jazz had a bottom five defense. Already, Jaden McDaniels, uh, Kyle Anderson, Torian Prince, Anthony Edwards, all better defenders than the vast majority of guys seen rotational minutes for the Jazz last season, the last two, three seasons. Even D'Angelo Russell's a better defender defender than Jordan Clarkson. I mean, it, it the there's no other way about it um, than to just simply say Gobert plus good defenders is going to be a lot better than Gobert with bad defenders. This is actually just so much simpler. The X's and O's, okay. Great case for Gobert as the centerpiece of a Wolves defense. Although, look, part of the issue in Utah was that he was the only defender late in these playoff games. In Minnesota, he might be the only defender late in these games if they get to the playoffs and if they're trying to get to the playoffs. But it had gotten to a point in Utah where this was untenable. And he had become a meme even in corners of NBA Twitter and among NBA fans, this idea that he was going to get played off the court no matter where he was and on what team he was on. He gets a chance to reset that, to reset expectations about what he can be, what he is, and how he can help a team. And on a team where he has a big who can score, has a lead guard who can score, and has role players who can fill in the gaps. All he has to do is do all the things that the Rudy Gobert fans have been telling us for years he does. The screen assists. How many times have you heard that in these arguments over Rudy Gobert? And of course, the defense at the rim. Nobody defends the rim quite like Rudy Gobert. And he's better on switches than he's given credit for. He gets to do just those things. And guess what? When you put a player in position to only have to do the things that they are great at doing, these players have a way of thriving in those situations. And finally, in a tune-up for the Open Championship next week, Tiger Woods shot a first-round 77 at the J.P. McManus Pro-Am in Limerick, Ireland. Woods is in 43rd place out of 50. 
And the event concludes today. He has played eight competitive rounds of golf this year and has shot 77 or higher in four of them. It is amazing that Tiger Woods is back. But let's have realistic expectations about what he is likely going to do at the Open Championship, even at a venue he knows oh so well. Thanks for making Locked On Sports today your first listen. Now go find your favorite team's Locked On podcast and make them your second listen. Coming up tomorrow, will we have an update on the Deshaun Watson punishment front? So at least until tomorrow, stay Locked On Sports today.